0: This is episode 51 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks for joining me. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to work with your life partner in your business? If you have, you might enjoy this episode. I've been working with Angela Wheeler, my life partner, since 2007 or so when we first started. And a question that we often get is What's that like? How do you make it work? Is it fun? In her debut episode of The Creative Giant Show, that's exactly what Angela and I are going to talk about. Are you ready? Let's do this.
1: Welcome to The Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey.
0: Alrighty, Creative Giants. I am excited because this is the first official podcast where I have my partner, both in business and in life, Angela Wheeler, with me on the other end. As we mentioned in um, the episode about the future of the Creative Giants show, we're going to be trying different formats. And as I was thinking about it and really like not wanting to do a lot of monologuing, I was like, how can we share these conversations, how can we get it out? And I just you know it's one of those funny things where it's like Angela and I have really great conversations all over the place. Um, I'm so sort of like why don't we just talk about that and get get each other on the horn so and actually that wasn't my idea actually. that was Angela's idea. She was like, I can do a podcast and so that's why she's on today. So um, in case you've never really heard Angela talk or t- share a little bit of her story, um, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to her so she can talk a little bit about that.
2: All right. Thanks, Charlie. Well, it's actually funny to just call you Charlie. I'll start with Absolutely, that. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. We have the typical pet names for each other. But I'm happy to be here with you today and have an opportunity to talk to folks about what it's like to be in business with your life partner um, and have that person be your business partner as well. Uh, just a short little bit about me. I used to be a professor of sociology um, and had planned for that to be my long-term career. Things changed, and I think we'll probably talk a little bit about how that changed and what happened there. And so for about the last five, five and a half years, I have been in the business with Charlie in different roles, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about what that's looked like as well today. So that's me.
0: Yeah. So one of the reasons um, we talked about this is a lot of people will experience us at an event or at a conference and they'll learn that Angela's in the business. And one of the first things they think is like, so how do you guys actually work together? What's that like? And it goes two different ways. One way is it's like I could never stand to be around my partner (laughs) that long and all day. I've got to go away. So that's sort of one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is like, how cool would that be to spend all day with each other? And the funny thing about it, like we talk about this under the title of mom and pop 2.0 is that in our style of business, though we're working in the same business at the same time, we're largely working on radically different things throughout the day. And it's not like in mom and pop 1.0, like a customer comes into your store, they buy a bag of chips. Both of you see that customer, you understand the relationship, you understand the conversations. We have these wildly different conversations with people. And a good part of our day is delightfully catching each other up on what we've been doing in the business, especially around relationships, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It is funny when you're talking to people um, at events or just one-on-one and they learn about us being in business together. You're totally, totally accurate there. It's the, oh my gosh, seriously, I could never handle that. Or it's, wow, I want to know more about that. I would love to be able to do something like that with my partner. And for us, um, I think we could both probably, I won't put words in your mouth, but there's a little bit of both of them, you know, in the, in the reality of that. Um, For the most part, it's wonderful and it's great. And there are bumps um, just like there are with any relationship, even if it is a business relationship. So, um, and it is, it's absolutely true. That's what I tell most people that I talk to is that your reality in business In my reality, my day-to-day looks very different. Um, It comes together beautifully in that we have this, you know, synchronized, wonderful business where we're supporting creative giants. We're helping them get their great work out in the world and all of that. But it can look very different. Um, You know, you work one-on-one with a lot of executives and managers and you do some team building, Uh, I've done a little bit of that, but I do a lot of the community engagement. Uh, People see me out at a lot of events. Um, And so it does. It looks very, very different. And it's fun. It's actually there's a lot of fun there um, because we do get to catch each other up on what's going on in the day to day. And it's, you know, I know for me, what's really exciting is if I've gone out to an event and I've met somebody who I think we can really help uh, with their business. I'm so excited to come home and share that with you and let you know about them and brainstorm with you, think about ideas that we can use to best help them in the business. So it is, it's a lot of fun in that sense.
0: What's interesting about that is Angela has, through osmosis, picked up a lot of what I do with clients, right? A lot of the strategy... And team building and sort of strategy execution stuff, she's picked that up, but she hasn't recognized she's picked that up. And <laughs> so she'll be talking to people, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of what we do." And she'll be working with stuff, and just giving them consulting, really. But she doesn't cognize that that's a skill set that she has. Mm-hmm. And it's so this is a really funny thing is that like they, she does a great job of selling the services and selling like what we can do without doing it, and like this is what we do, so on and so forth, just because it's a natural part of part of the way we talk around this house, because. You know, we both taking the Strength Finder 2.0, which is one of those assessments in the And we both, I think you were three on strategic.
2: Uh, that sounds right.
0: Yeah, I was two on strategic. And so that's just like, you know, there's also that that frequent five, like you're most like the, peop- the five people you hang out with the most. So we share so much of that. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. And, you know, sometimes the funny thing about it is, is, is though, you know, you have it, There are just abilities to see, you know, and I was talking to, oh, I was talking to Kevin Chung on a podcast yesterday, and I was really explaining that strategy is just the, it's a really sophisticated way of seeing, Mm -hmm. seeing opportunities and things like that. So, that's sometimes the tricky point in that handoff is because I might see some things that you don't, but, you know, what I'll say to her credit is that, like, you see a lot that I don't see, too. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have thought about that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, but let's roll back, though, because... You know, it's 2015. We've been in business since 2007. hmm And you now we can both talk about where we are today. And it's kind of funny when we go back because... We were in a lot of ways both really resistant to the business aspect of things. We were not resistant, just ignorant, because neither yeah. one of us had business training. Right? Absolutely. And so there's uh, this crazy idea of like, hey, let's start a website that you know, let's teach people. Kind of. <laughs> well, from Angela's perspective, she's like, "Good God, she has other people to talk to about all this stuff." Because I'm tired of hearing <laughs> about it, right? And so, but as we go, as we went on, I think it was around 2010 mm-hmm. when you decided that, or you kind of became aware that the academic pathway was not for you and i had already you know made that decision Mm -hmm. um but then it's like what's next and you had to in some ways catch up for that sort of three to four years of where i'd been operationally in the business where you'd been at the dinner table like executive council side of things so Yeah. yeah um what was what was challenging about that for you
2: Oh, my gosh. So how long is this podcast today?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, um, that's a really good question. Um, and I think that, that um, that's a question, not phrased quite like that, but something that I get from people quite often is when they know that we've had the business uh, for about eight years, but that I've only been active in it more or less for about five. The, the question is, how did that happen? And how did you fit into that? Because, you know, Charlie had already started this. Obviously, you knew what was going on, but you weren't in the day to day. So, um, for me, there, I'll be honest, there was a lot of floundering for a while. And I am, what will I say in a delicate way? Um, I'm not good at not being good at something. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, we both have that mastery impulse.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And so when I came into the business in a more active role in 2010, I wanted to be good at all of it right away. And we won't get into details about that. But Charlie knows very well that there were a lot of tears on my side, because I saw all of this wonderful wide world of business and how it can look and how we can change the face of business and what that looks like for people and how that supports their life. And I wanted to be able to be a part of all of it and do all of it. And I got really overwhelmed very quickly because I thought I should be a coder and I should be a graphic designer and I should be an event planner and I should be a coach and like, I should just be able to do all these things and be good at them. Um, because in the world that I was in now, in business, we were surrounded by those people, right? We were lucky, fortunate, blessed to be surrounded by people with these skill sets. And so for me, it did. It took, it took a while to navigate to see what that needed to look like for me. And also just to let the ego go, to be completely honest there. Um, I... Came from academia, right? And I wanted to be good at it. Um, That was important to me. Um, But once I let go of that and let myself ease into it and learn and be okay with not knowing, it became a lot easier for me. And I could see where I fit. I fit in communities, in community engagement, in events, in facilitation. I am not a coder. I am not a graphic designer. And we're fortunate to have people on the team who can do that. And so I don't have to do that.
0: Yeah. And and one of the challenges at the time to replay that was at that point in time, I had been doing so much in the business yes. and so much of this came native. To, like it started from a native skill set of just the way I think and messing with tools and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I had like a four year learning curve on you. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Part of the challenge was, is that you would do something and because you didn't have that learning curve and it wasn't in your sort of genius zone, it would take you forever. Mm-hmm. And then you'd ask, you'd finally ask me, like, how do you do this? And I'd finish it in like three minutes. Yeah. And there's a lot of that frustration of like, like, I hate you right? <laughs> in, a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, but just that's that's one of the things because it's, it's a matter of I had built the business to really match my skill set and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. introducing someone else in the business that didn't have that. And, you know, we, we laugh a lot. We were talking about this yesterday on the team meeting, day before on the team meeting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, just about um, how quick I am with systems and changing.
1: Yep.
0: Um, and so I change systems frequently. I try not to change them just to change them. But when something's not working, like I'll fix that. But Angela is much more systems resistant or, or slow to learn and adopt a new one. But once she's adopted it, she doesn't want to let it go. Yeah. And so if that's Asana getting crazy and, and wanting to switch to Basecamp, which are both project management platforms, like Angela's going to want to stay in Asana. But what I'll say about that, though, is you've come a long way on that because mm-hmm. like that used to really give you the hives, like really again, Charlie. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you're like, whatever, whatever works, you know?
2: Yeah. It's um it's kind of funny because it you learn to roll with the punches. Right. Um, you have to uh, when you're in small business, when you're an entrepreneur like that. And part of you know i'll share this i don't know that the audience is going to be terribly surprised about you and i don't think i'm outing you <laughs> the audience, in any yeah, way you listening <laughs> <laughs> that you your brain never stops um you're always and this is why you're so damn good at what you do with people is that you are process oriented you are good at systems Um, you're great at the big picture as well as breaking it down into small pieces. And so for a while, I just, I felt like I would just be sitting there during a meeting being like, seriously, he's changing something again. Like I just got the hang of this. Um, but finally understanding that there's, there's good reason behind that, right? Like you see the way the flow can work and how it can better help our whole team, Um, And then how what we've done on our team goes on to help our our customers and our clients because you're helping them build their teams as well. So, yeah, um, things that were not native to me, the way of processing and thinking that you do, it's not the way I think. There there are bits and pieces of it in there that are similar to the way I think. Um, And I can kind of roll with that. And I've become much more comfortable with understanding my own strengths and how those help. So, um, yeah, it's. Um, I think that that might be something too that people who are life partners that are in business together probably struggle with. Um, I doubt that it's just us. The, you know, well, she's really, really good at that, and I'm not. So, how do I get really, really good at that? Recognizing that wait, you already have somebody on the team who is really good at that. So maybe you don't need to be and you can focus on your strengths.
0: What's interesting is at the personal level in a relationship, there's a division of labor that happens,
2: Mm
1: right?
0: Right. Um, you're good at certain things. I'm good at certain things. So Angela cooks everything but meat itinerally cooked meat, although she's gotten bet a lot better about cooking steaks and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. A lot better. <laughs> but we divide things up and there's this very natural division um, for some for some couples. Now, pause. It wasn't always that way. Like, so for context, I forgot to put this up front. Like we've been together a little over 18 years now. Yes. Um, and time. so a lot of growing together there. So like that sort of economic di- or that sort of household division of labor, especially until around, until we were around 30 or so, mm-hmm. and there's a reason around 30, we'll come back to that,
1: Yeah,
0: was really a contentious issue. Um, and what's challenging is that at an economic, or excuse me, at the household division of labor, you look for a lot of equity in both time and time. And things like that, you, you try to get things equi- either equitable or fair. Those mm-hmm. those are two different current terms. I'll leave it to you and your relationship therapist to, to figure out the difference between the <laughs> two. However, when you're in business, that breaks down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, because from an economic point of view, and it's really, really awkward to talk about. I'm looking, Angela's, we're, we're both in my home office and we're recording yeah. uh, in the studio. It's really, really awkward to talk about that from a business point of view right now, Angela's time in the marketplace is not as valuable as my time in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Um, So that shifts a lot of the conversation in, in the household, because there may be things that I want, that I need to hand off to Angela that might only take me an hour to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But that hour will come away from other sort of hours or writing or something like that. Um, And, you know, when you're thinking about things that you're good at, like she knows this and, and we're learning this all over again. As much as I am a coordinator, I hate scheduling. Yeah. Right. I hate scheduling. Another thing that I hate is um, like purchasing plane tickets and figuring out what what hotel I'm staying in and what connections and things like that. Now, part of it is um, when you look at my 20s and the military and things like that, I never had to make those decisions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I said I need to be there. I told an NCO, hey, like, this is what's going on. And they handled all the admin and logistics of that. So I never really got good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of a lot of a lot of that got pulled over into the business. And there have been times recently where Shannon, who's our business manager and client services manager, has tried to pick up the scheduling or excuse me, the travel logistics. Mm hmm. And there's a bunch of questions that end up coming back to me that I'm like, ah, like, I hate this. And so finally, after like six weeks of stalling on something, I was like, hey, hon, can you like buy the plane ticket for me and and figure it out? And she was done in like 30 minutes. Right. Shannon and I had been going around in circles forever. Right. So um, the other thing, like Angela, when you look at the five love languages, which is a book I highly recommend you read. It's great for business. It's great for life. It's great for everything um, Angela's first love language is gifts. My last love language is gifts. Mm-hmm. So Angela is like the director of gifts in, in the company because she could just, I could say, Hey, I need to get this client or I want to get this client a gift. Right. Mm-hmm. I understand, you know, that, that this is a gift moment, yeah. but all of the details around that, like I'm terrible at it. Um, and I'm like, so here's client, they live here. Here's what they like. They like the Mets, right. I can say everything about the client, but not, client or customer, whoever I'm wanting to give a gift to. And then she'll go and find the perfect gift for them. Um, Where I I would think about getting them a gift for like three years and not do it, which is not cool, right? Um, But I think that's one of those things to recognize that if you're in sort of a mom and pop 2.0 business, or if you're just in any business together, like there's this very different division of labor that happens. Mm -hmm. And it can be a really, really awkward conversation, especially if you do the legal thing and you actually like award or you actually have a salary for different people in the business Mm -hmm. based upon that role as partners your salary may not be the same
2: yeah Yeah.
0: right based upon the economic value of what that what that job is and so on and so forth that value may not be the same and so you might have one partner making say 25 Mm bucks an hour and you might have another life partner making say 60 Mm bucks based upon all sorts of things for fair market value for wages and things like that. It's different when other people are paying you, right? So if Angela had a job at one place and I had a job in another place, we know about the disparity in income and earning amongst males and females. We know about that. But still, other people have decided what those Mm -hmm. rates should be. Mm -hmm. In your own business, you decide. Yeah. And that's an awkward conversation of like, here's what your job, well, here's what an hour of your, of yours is worth in this company based upon, you know, like your job description. Mm-hmm. Really awkward guys. Really, really awkward.
2: Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's not comfortable. Um, cause you, you know, the thing about it is that we associate money with worth, right? And so, um, and I still, I still fall into that myself sometimes, right? Like how much I earn in the way of money is a direct reflection on what I'm worth, right? And I can say that as I've grown, as I've changed over the years, that that's not what I'm worth. That's not what you're worth. But that's how we earn money to take care of ourselves and to provide what we need to get by. Um, You know, there are things like... um, you know, picking out the great, great gift for somebody that is worth a lot more than the $50 you spent on the gift or however much time it took. Um, So that, you know, things get weird around that. Things get sticky. um, But recognizing that even though your client hour may be worth X amount and my community engagement hour may be worth Y amount of money, that they're both doing something that's really important and integral for our business and that one of us cannot do for the other, right? So yeah, it is awkward. It can be uncomfortable. But when you are able to take a step back from that and recognize what each partner and subsequently, if you have other team members are doing to contribute to the whole, you you couldn't do it without each person.
0: Absolutely. Doing their part. Absolutely. Um, and it gets, so there's the awkward of different roles within the business, but ev- there's even when like we're going, cause Angela is a speaker and a facilitator as well. Mm-hmm. And just given market rates and things like that, like we're at different like market rate levels for mm-hmm. our speaking and facilitation. Yeah. And so that's another one of those types of things where if you're not careful, that can really bite you in the ass and being like, you know, I'm not worth this much or something as much as like, just in the marketplace, like there are mm-hmm. these things that either I haven't done yet or, you know, different things like that, that that make the market willing to pay for this. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's being said there. It's mm-hmm. not saying anything about my worth or my quality or everything, because Angela, in a lot of ways, is way smarter than I am. Right. And so, yeah, it, it, that's just one of those things. Um, we'll roll back, but there's there's this day to day piece that I think is really the important, important thing to talk about, because. Angela and I are on different circadian rhythms.
2: Oh, yes, we are. <laughs>
0: um, I get up early. Like, this morning, I got up at 4, naturally. Um, I kind of wanted to stay in, but I know my body well enough. It's like when it's ready to go, it's like, go, right? And I
2: will never be waking up at 4 on purpose.
0: On purpose, <laughs> unless we're traveling.
2: Unless we have to travel.
0: And then she's grumpy all day. Yeah. Um, so, I just got up at 4. But what what that creates is there are some times that where you know, you'll get up at 930 or 10 because you either stayed up later because that's your rhythm or you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the feeling well thing. Yeah. And so I've been up for six hours already. And it's midday for me. Mm-hmm. And you're just you know, getting up and getting around and and really having it's, it's taking us a long time. Actually, we were working on this earlier this year, really having deliberate conversations about like that particular thing, because yeah. what the flip side of that is, is seven o'clock at night. I'm done. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, cooked. Put me in the oven. I'm like, I'm just done or pull me out of the oven, which, whichever the way the metaphor is <laughs> supposed to go. Um, but that's when she still has a lot of like social and, and you know, really connecty energy at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm dead. She's wanting to connect or early in the morning. Like, you know, it might be eight o'clock in the morning and I'm wanting to play guitar because it's midday for me. So those are the other types of things that you got to really work out is understanding and accepting and embracing those different styles, Mm -hmm. those different circadian rhythms, but not trying to push each other on the other. Like, you know, in an ideal world, would Angela get up early? I'm not actually sure. Right. (laughs) Because I love having those like two hours or so in the morning just to meditate and, you know, so on and so forth. So um, I don't know that that would be better. Right. It just would make us more in alignment that way, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. And you bringing up that that point, I think, is actually really important because over the years, as I've had a very similar conversation with a lot of other people who um, their partners, whether or not they're in business together, actually, their partners have a very different natural rhythm than they do. Um You know, I'm thinking of one friend in particular, and her husband, like you, gets up several hours earlier naturally than she does. Um, And it's been like that their entire relationship. They've been together 30-something years. And um, there was a lot of struggle with them for quite a while about um, what that looked like, him thinking that she was lazy Or um, her beating herself up because she wasn't getting to work and started as early as as he was. Um, But understanding that each of us has a very natural and different rhythm. And if we try to force ourselves to have our rhythm look like our partners, it's going to be disastrous for us and for them and for the relationship. I tried. I went through for a little while trying to get up early. It's not good. Like Charlie will tell you. It's not good
0: for either of us. It's not good.
2: Um, And, you know, another thing I think we might talk a little bit about this is I have several autoimmune diseases and I have real health challenges and issues. And if I don't get at least eight and a half hours of sleep, preferably nine, my body is not doing well. It doesn't function well. I can't do the work that I want to do. So um I think with that though, it's really important and what we've struggled with, because we do have very different rhythms around when we wake up, when we work, when we sleep, is staying connected. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I'll get up. Um, I've been getting up a little bit earlier here lately, around Showed eight, eight mm-hmm. thirty. And Charlie's like, yeah, celebration. <laughs> um, but you know, my body's starting to change a little bit. I am starting to get up a little bit earlier. And we are fortunate in that we're able to come together and have breakfast together um, when I get up.
0: Which I love. Breakfast is my favorite meal. And with Angela, it's my doubly favorite meal.
2: Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so we've intentionally set that place, that point to come together. Um, we, Unless we have certain things going on at night and we have certain commitments, we set that, that point, that place to come together for dinner. Um, so I think what's really important, as always, is communication and being understanding about the needs of your partner and how that looks different um, and having intentional conversations about where you can continue to come together and when you can support one another at different times during the day, during the week, during the month. Because that's another thing, like your peak cycles throughout the year, I'm you know, thinking about Charlie, his peak cycle is in the winter and in the fall. I am the worst at the winter and in the fall. Like I really like the sun, the moon, the seasonal changes have a huge impact on me. And so my energy is highest in the summer and his is the lowest in the summer. So that's another thing, you know, it's just continuing to check in with what is natural for you, what's your normal flow, where's your energy energy. And making sure your partner knows that.
0: Yeah. And and having deliberate conversations about that. Like, one thing that we learned a long time ago is I don't approach Angela in the morning until she approaches me. (laughs) Right. Um, I don't wake her up. You know, I don't ask her anything. Like, I do my own thing. And then whenever she's ready, like, she'll come in and then we'll say good morning and we'll talk. But it's just a simple thing like that. Like, I just know that, you know, Whatever, whatever's going on over there is not, I, not a, you know, none of my, not none of my business, but it's like, yeah, you know, when, when she's ready, when she's up, she'll come talk to me and she knows that when she comes and talk to me that I might be in a really sort of intense flow at that moment, or yeah. I might be super energetic. And so she might have to prep prep for that because she's still sort of rubbing her eyes and I'm, you know, jumping off the moon, right? <laughs> type of thing. Um Yeah. And you mentioned cycles, and, and that's really important to talk about right now, and, and your health challenges, because um, behind the scenes, and this is actually the first time we could tell our audience about this, actually, because the car accident.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. So um. in 2012?
2: Yes. Three. Over, no. th- over three years
0: ago. Was it 13? Now. I think it was. Was it 13?
2: No, it was 2012. Oh, okay. Okay. It so it was, it was a year after. Okay.
0: So 2012, and at the end of August, we were actually in a car accident together we haven't talked a whole lot about it publicly because our lawyer advised us not to talk about it because most of what you end up saying ends up being used against you. Um, we ended up settling for that car accident earlier in what was that August?
2: August. Yeah. Almost three years later,
0: almost three years later, we ended up finally settling and and getting out of that. So we can talk about it now, which is great. Um, because there's been like, what's been going on in the back anyways. Mm -hmm. And so um, between the car accident in 2012 and then between the reset period um, Angela had. What do you want to call that?
2: Well, we've called it the reset for the last four years. So it's kind of the easiest yeah, but way to approach it.
0: Is it? Well, so um, Angela nearly died. What you, what year was that? 20-
2: 2011.
0: 2011. Um, because of her autoimmune disease um she was trying an experimental medication that triggered acute pancreatitis when we were in alaska and she nearly died um she's literally dying on me um as i was rushing her to the hospital um in anchorage and that triggered ptsd Mm -hmm. um later on we didn't recognize it at the time until it happened and um there was a breakdown there
1: yeah
0: um and that was why we called that the reset, because breakdown has so much of a normative stigma to it, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, that, that's what happened. And so when that happened, that pulled you out of the business that you had just gone through the cutting your teeth on it, the learning curve, um, pulls you out for how long?
2: Well, let's see. So 2010 is when I finally, I started in the business. I got out of academia. It was not barely even a year when the reset happened. Um, and I was out more or less out of the business for about eight or nine months. Um, and even after that, it's, it was still, it looked very different.
0: Yeah. Now, and when we say out of the business, like we mean out, cause yeah. I mean, there's that eight to nine months. Um, we won't talk about it so much here, but where in a lot of ways she was out of life, you know? I was, yeah. And so. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm not operational anymore. It's like, you know, um, a lot of intense recovery, a lot of caretaking and things like that for that eight to nine months. And mm-hmm. then the, the build back up. Yeah. You know. Um, and so what, what that's created is this sensitivity and I think preparedness for mm-hmm. either a PTSD episode to come up or a chronic health thing where you just might have to be out, out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those were really hard years in a lot of different ways. Um, the gift of those hard years is that it, you know, has made us much more like bulletproof on the business side of like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do, how does one, so there's this interesting sort of thing. Like, you know, I was in the business mostly by myself with, with independent contractors. And then Angela came on um, full time in the business. And so getting used to that flow mm-hmm. and getting used to what that looks like. And then the reset happened and everything gets thrown up in the air. Mm-hmm. And then getting used to you not being there yeah, in both business and life yeah. in a lot of ways. And then learning the ways and, and how we can be much more project focused where you might be able to come on for a project, mm-hmm. but for a long-term full-time role, like it's very awkward to say, and we've had to say it to yourself, she's not reliable, right? You're just yeah. not reliable in that way because there could be two months from now where you're out, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's been one of the really challenging things. But again, it's it it makes for a lot of conversation. I'll say that much, because yeah. we're talking about where are you, where your energy, and like right now, she's been pushing it a bit too much.
2: Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I have to be careful with that. I mean, and it's it's true. I think, you know, it's not necessarily important to go into the details, but I think it is really important for people to recognize that you can get things set up and they may be working really well. And life happens, challenges happen, things come up that cause you to have to make changes in the business, in the team, what that looks like. And so it was, you know, 2010, the summer of 2010 to the summer of 2011, I was, I was, you know, like, getting my feet under me in the business, learning what it looked like, what my role was going to be.
0: Yeah. And you were also grieving, grieving grandma's death too. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. Um, you know, grieving, leaving a career behind grieving the loss of my grandmother. Suddenly, um, the reset happened less than a year later. Um, and then the spring early to late, eh, late spring of 2012, I was finally able to start coming back into the business and in some senses into my life as well. Um, you know, when you, when you almost die and when you have PTSD, you learn a really hard lesson and a really important one about letting go of your plans and your expectations. It's incredibly uncomfortable. But you have to learn to be present in the moment um, with what you have and where you're at. So, yeah, I mean, finally started to get my feet back under me after that. And then, you know, four or five months later, we have the car accident, right? Um, And I spent, what, a year and a half, maybe, trying to recover from that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I share this because... It has not been a smooth path. It has not been a straight path by any means. And these terrible things that we've experienced, that we've gone through, have given us probably some of the best gifts. Um, I probably would have kicked you in the face if you would have told me that four years ago. Um, you know, you're going to get so much out of this. Like, no, I don't need to hear that right now. Um I know now with where I'm at that that the way we've set up our business, um, Charlie was talking about it being bulletproof, right? We had to plan for me not to be full-time in the business. And that was a hard thing for me to let go of. Even when I was in the midst of the PTSD and I was finally starting to come out of that, I was like, oh, I'll be back next month. You know, that's, that's just not the way mental and physical health works like it's it's not a a timeline that you can you can choose and so setting up a team that could support Charlie um, so that he could still do his great work um, and you know this may sound a little strange to some people but when I was ready and when my health was there I was a bonus Mm -hmm. in the business right Mm -hmm. like
0: She's we, an augment. Yeah, right.
2: an augment, a bonus. Like we had to set up a team. Charlie had to set up a team um, and assume that I was not going to be there. And that was a really hard assumption I for him from conversations we had um, and for me because I wanted to be there. Yeah. But setting up a team and supports and structures so that our business could continue and it could flourish and grow – even if I wasn't able to be a part of it was really important. And I think we're seeing now just how well that, that has done for us in our business.
0: Yeah. Um, during that, that car accident, I was, I was in and off in and off of like acupuncture tables and Cairo tables and things like that Mm -hmm. for what was it about seven months for me?
2: Yeah. That's that's seven, eight months for you. Yeah. Seven,
0: eight months for me. And, um, yeah, there were a lot of lessons that came from that, um, and I'm really frustrated by that, that lost time, air quotes, that lost time where mm-hmm. there was just, you know, that period, and then there's a recovery and buildup. There's, like, two years there from 2013 to 2014 that it was yep. just, like, crawling back up out of that hole, and I'm, I'm frustrated and upset about that sometimes, yeah. at the same time, like, we still grew. Like mm-hmm. our profit, you know, like we still grew. Our profit was better, not mm-hmm. just our, our end revenue, but actually our profit, you know, increased. We, So, you know, the, the, the story in my head is like what would have happened, yeah. right, had yeah. that not happened? And what I can say is what did happen is that we really had to go back to the board on the business model and say, you know, what do we do to really, like – we and it's so much of the cooking of our own cooking here which is the irony of it. it's yeah. like okay you're not going to eat your own cooking like when when it, when it's in good time here here's some pain now maybe we'll do it <laughs> and it was kind of one of those things where it's like okay now it's time to take this really seriously and overhaul the internal of the of the business and mm-hmm. you know how do we do this um long period and I think though I'm frustrated now mm-hmm Three years from now, I'm already starting to see the benefit, but three years from now when I look at it, I'm like, wow, like had that not happened, I don't know that we would be here. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And
0: that's this craziness thing because, you know, I was, we were talking about this earlier because you've gotten way more uncertainty tolerant.
2: Oh my gosh, I know.
0: Than you used to be, right? (laughs) So Angela used to be very, very like if it was unclear, if it wasn't sure what's going to happen, like that would cause a lot of anxiety for her. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But we both this year and in the past, it's like, you know what? We've gone through these really, really hard storms yeah. and we're still here. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're still better. Right. We're still doing our best work. Um, we're still like serving our creative giants. And so do we really need to know much about the future? <laughs> like, do we need to worry about it in that way? We can be hopeful about it mm-hmm. we can know that there are going to be some challenges there. But the anxiety around what what's coming? eh not, not a good use of our energy, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one thing that sprung to mind for me just a second ago, as I was listening to you talk about these challenges and what we've gained from them, what's come from them is I think it's incredibly important to have goals and to be looking at the future and what you want your future to look like, um, in life, in business, um, in all those areas. And I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, please do. Um, When I'll speak for myself here, not you. When I let go of what it was supposed to look like and I let go of, oh, in two months, I'm sure I'm going to be back. I have to be full-time in two months, right? Like I have to be. Um, And the pressure that was associated with that and we actually focused on okay what's the reality right now um if Angela is full time in 2 months that's awesome and and we need to be realistic and i think that the fact that honestly, I got out of the way a little bit Mm -hmm. um, and was able to acknowledge that we don't know where this is going to lead and what this is going to look like in two months or 10 months, that we were able to put things into place that focused on and took into account our reality. And when we did that, things grew and things flourished from there. So Never have we ever taken our eye off of what we want the future to look like um, and what we hope for and the good that we want to do in the world. Never, you know, never taking our eye off of that and also being realistic about where we were at. And I think that that's one of the biggest things. Um, And it can be challenging when you actually have to admit, oh, here are my weaknesses. Here are the things I can't count on. And then we build our systems, our processes, our business, our team around that reality. Yeah. Things really flourish.
0: Yeah. You know, the way I think about that now, and we've talked about it, is just like not assuming that we know better than the universe. Not assuming that we know better than whether you want to call that God or whether you want to call that the Tao or whatever you want to call it, but not assuming that we know better than the universe about how beautiful the world can be for us. Because Mm -hmm. there's no way... Like if you'd have gone back to 2007, yeah, and you said at some point in time you two are going to be standing in a, in an office in Portland, giving yeah. a podcast, talking to creative giants, and you're going to have this rich, beautiful life with the people that you serve and the opportunities that you have in front of us, or in front of you, and you know the ups and downs that come with that. Like we couldn't have imagined this, no, right? Mm-hmm. And turns out, the universe knew better, right? So how about we just just trust that, trust that if we do our work, right, then things will be taken care of in the future because they have this far,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't see a reason why that would change, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> even yeah. through PTSD, even through car accidents, even through um, a really big project right now that I can't talk about quite yet, right? Even yeah. through some of those types of things, it's like, you know, we're better. We're better. Every day, we're a little bit better off mm-hmm. and you know, life can be good and hard. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. And it's really understanding that. And and what I wanted to roll back was we, we talked earlier and I think one of the things that you let go of was that um, your way of showing up in the world had to somehow be relative to your PhD.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. That, That, like if you did something that wasn't using that or you did something that was too far off or wasn't counting the value that like, it was somehow the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. It was somehow the wrong, but once you're like, you know, okay. Like,
1: yeah, it's
0: there when I need it. Yeah. But turns out a lot of the things that you actually enjoy to do have nothing to do with the formal sort of PhD type of thing. Like you're still a yeah. sociologist. It's just like, I'm a social philosopher, but it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, once you let that go and you let go like, that you had to be a certain place in time, doing a certain type of thing, and in a certain type of economic container. Like, man, a lot of weight. You let go of a lot of weight during that.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's you know, if I had stayed in academia, like I, I would be going up for tenure at this point, right? Like that. That would be where I would be and what I would be striving for. Um. And so you're right. It's you know letting go of where you think you're supposed to be at a certain point in time and you know i grieved in in some way leaving academia because i didn't know what life was going to look like after that and i thought here i spent my life you know trying to earn these degrees i get them i get a job and i'm leaving right like a lot of grief around that but as time went on i recognized The the teacher that I am at heart is never going to go away. And I've been able to find a way in our business to still use that that gift that I have, um, that thing that I love to do, um, which is teach and guide and facilitate. Um, So yeah, um, letting go of where I think I was supposed to be on the career path and understanding that none of that was waste—that was not waste. Those years I spent getting that education, doing that work was not waste. Um, it fuels everything.
0: Yeah, there's like there's that Joseph Campbell quote, and I'm gonna butcher it, but it's <laughs> like to live the life, like to I'll, I'll I'll paraphrase it, but to live the best life that's in front of us, we have to let go of the life that we've imagined.
2: Yeah absolutely right
0: um, and so there's a, that type of thing going on there
2: mm-hmm
0: righty so tying it back we started with what it's what's it like to work with your business partner <laughs> what's it or do you work in your business with your life partner mm-hmm. like so what's it like
2: what's it like wow um it's like everything right <laughs> it's <laughs> a little bit of everything in life um, the good the bad the ugly and I feel fortunate that I feel like it's a whole lot more of the good, whole lot more than of the bad and the ugly. We have bumps, um, we have miscommunications at times, um, but I think what what has helped us is that we have a very um, synchronistic view of what we want in this life and what we want our lives to look like and how we want to be in the world and how the work we do supports people in this world. So um, it's hard at times. I know one of the challenges that we've had because we both love this work so much is having an off switch. (laughs) There's not really an off switch when you're an entrepreneur, when you're in business for yourself and or when you just love what you do. So I do think, you know, if there's one thing that we continue to be challenged with, and I would point this out, would be having that not necessarily an off switch, but remembering and recognizing let's let's connect. Let's continue to connect. Let's try harder to connect on the other parts of our lives as well. When we're with each other, when we're out on a hike, when we're sitting at the dining room table, um, when we're out on a walk together, like it it's really important to keep in mind that you do have to shut it off a little bit and continue to connect um, on the heart and soul level. And again, that's hard when your heart and soul is also in the work that you do.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've had to just say, hey, like, this walk is a no business walk. Yeah. This dinner is a no business dinner and be okay with the fact that either one or both of us might not have a whole lot to say after that because so much of mm-hmm. our world, so much of the last week has been focused on that and then it's okay just to sit and be with each other. You don't have to generate another conversation like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. You can just not talk, yeah. right? And be and smile at each other and hold each other, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily do that. So you, you have to find ways to... Um, intentionally down cycle. And you and I both, mm-hmm. you know, have concerns about the work-life balance sort of schema because it sets up that, you know, work is something you don't want to do and life is something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's a problematic concept, but there's still this point where it's like there's more to our full spectrum lives mm-hmm. than this business, yeah, right? Yeah. And this business touches all of those parts of our full spectrum lives. And so from my point, what it's like to work with a business partner is, is you know, this type of way of being in the world is full contact living, mm-hmm. right? You get the good, you get the bad, and you get them in intensity levels that can sometimes, you know, be crippling, mm-hmm. both on the good and the bad, yeah. right? And so I what's great about working with the love of my life is that we get to share something so... Intense and meaningful um, together. And there's not, you know, one of us sort of over here living that life and the other one sort of peeking through the glass. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's beautiful and it's messy and it requires a lot of communications and we're out of sync and then we're in sync. And it's just all of those things. Yeah. Um, But I can't imagine not doing it.
2: No, I can't either. I mean, and that's the thing. Like it's looked different. I mean, 8,000 different times and ways, um, over the last five years. And it's, um, I think it's probably been one of the, the most beautiful gifts I feel like I've gotten, um, is to see how well we work together and how well we bounce off of each other. We support each other. We make each other better, um, and, you know, to have your, you know, the love of your life and your best friend and you get to work with them every day, that's awesome. That is incredibly awesome. Um, yeah. And I do think that, you know, if I were going to suggest something for people who are doing this or trying to do this, it would be that that communication stays open at all times you're very transparent with one another about your cycles, um, your rhythms, your natural rhythms, where your work flow is, your energy, and how you can support each other in that and play off of that. And not really on the flip side, but that you also are continuing to grow and explore together in other ways. So, you know, we. We've taken dance classes together. We um, have adventured to new forests and mountains together to go on hikes. Um, you know, just those things that it's important to continue that connection as well.
0: righty. So we're going to do our first, we're going to do an, on, an on-air high five because this is oh, our first. Yeah. power. Oh. Right? This is our first <laughs> of many podcasts, so it's been fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? righty Creative Giants. So you've heard it today. I'm here with Angela Wheeler talking about what it's like to be in business with your life partner. Um, I hope it's been useful to hear. Um, if you've been thinking about that and thinking about it for your own situation or just wondering how we make it work, there you go. Yeah. And until next time, stand tall.
1: Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to productiveflourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.